you cool cats and kittens. It's me, your old pal. Don't, don't worry now, don't be afraid. It's good to be here, though it is also very weird to be here. I have been more like America's dad than ever before. Luke, are you ready? Uh, yeah, bud. Well, hello and welcome to Hanksy Panksy, a podcast where two dumb idiot best friends fill themselves mind, body, and soul with 24 frames per second of Titan Condoms best customer, Tom Hanks. I'm Detective Sam Siegel, and I'm one of those dumb idiots. (laughs) And I'm everybody's favorite softcore porn slumlord, Luke Patrick. That ain't nice. Holy shit, Luke. That ain't nice. So, this week we watched 1987's Dragnet, and holy shit, Luke Patrick, what a fucking 180, or a George W. Bush 360, from last week's movie. (laughs) Fuck me, this was great! Oh, this was the tonic we needed. I feel so refreshed, I feel clean. Yeah, it was the light in the fucking darkness. I'm a new man. You sound like it. I have to say, the last record (laughs) was brutal um oh, both was... to both to make and to listen to later so i'm I am so <laughs> glad to hear that you've got a new spring in your step yeah it was uh it was pretty punishing i gotta tell you i was in a i was in a dark spot um uh i was in an, uh, a bit of a funk uh mr hanks put me put me in a cage and uh and slapped uh slapped the bars of it with keys uh, until I couldn't hear anything but the pain rattling around in my skull. But then he came out with this, and oh, what a salve. Yeah, what a, what a blisteringly good time we had here. Hey, that uh, leads me into this question then. Did you miss Hanks since we uh, last watched him about two days ago? I think um, in, in almost what can be described as an abusive relationship, despite the fact that the, this man has hurt me on repeated occasions... He occasionally shows up and gives me uh, some flowers in the form of him getting mad in nothing in common. Uh, and, and I do kind of want him back, even though he's hurt me so mm, much. Man, you have to let that go. You got to cut this off. You got to reduce this negativity from I, this honestly, uh, relationship. I got to tell you, I think if if Tom puts out more stuff like this, I, I think we're on the road to recovery. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Now we're staring down a uh, beautiful highway to uh, to Flavortown, so to speak, with the rest of the uh, the filmography from here out. I feel like we're, we're out of it. This oh, is God. us emerging from the manhole into the light of day and feeling quite yeah. good about it. Yeah. No, we uh, we hit rock bottom last week and it's all up from here, baby. <laughs> Literally, because there is nowhere else to go after <laughs> last week's episode. Holy shit. How was your watch, Luke? Man, my watch was pretty good. I was really psyched for this one because of that intro song that you played, which is an Mm -hmm. actual song created for this movie, uh, which you just described to me before this call as, uh, what was it again? Oh, it was, uh, I used Brian David Gilbert's uh, term, educational rap. Yeah, do you want to break me off a piece of what that sounds like in the wild? Oh, sure. My name is Sam, and I'm here to say... I love reading books in a major way. That ain't nice. 
<laughs> and and what I find interesting is that Tom's uh, sort of rapping um, uh, uh, technique is to scream. Yeah, he apparently can't sing. I will be very curious to see if we see him belting out any notes meatloaf style later in his his career because oh my god i guess they decided he was best on the sidelines just (laughs) shouting information (laughs) i would i would fucking love nothing more than to hear tom hanks belt out just some some nice bluesy tunes yeah but uh i'll say my watch was pretty good i tucked into this delicious pot pie that is dragnet it is not the greatest movie in the world but it is also definitely not the worst and it's got its moments it was a very pleasant watch um, I did watch it in the dark by myself, so a little bit of a sad note there, but it did Ooh. continue to bring the light into my life that I was really hoping for. Yeah, you're you're sort of making the the movie work harder to 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 get you in a better spot if you're watching it in the dark alone. Yeah, I definitely pitched a really steep curveball on this, but uh, Messrs. Dan Aykroyd, Knight of the uh, Realm, and Tom Hanks really smacked the ball out of the park on this one. I'm, I'm God, fucking really excited, did. dude. They really fucking did. Yeah. Um, I, I'll i tell you, I was not sure about this watch uh, going into it. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, I was I was pretty worried from last week. I was still, you know, kind of shanking off that uh, that funk. And then you you get the, the description read by, uh, or I guess narrated by uh, Dan Aykroyd at the very beginning of the film. And then it pans up and you get the, the badge logo. And then you just hear... <laughs> and i went fuck yes and, and it had me from there uh i i never stopped loving it yeah it's a beautiful ride i will say and um yeah let's talk about more about uh the narration and friday's voice when we get into the review of this but do you do you want to plot really quick for this sir uh please do yes sure so to give you luke patrick's patented uh three-act play structure or your money back guarantee it's um, the best around yeah patent pending on a name for that one so open to suggestions viewers <laughs> um this one's genuinely hard to break down into strict acts so i will probably miss things feel free to to jump in feel free okay. to ride along for this one sam if you want oh yeah i might um, i might throw on the siren for no reason yeah jump in the squad car um so act one we see friday who is the uh you know titular uh, character of of this series of Dragnet. For those who aren't aware, Dragnet is a long running TV show from um, a couple decades, I think, before this movie, which was released in 1987. Does that sound right yeah, to I you, Sam? It, I, it was the 50s and 60s. Yeah, definitely was a fixture in my house, as far as saying, or my house growing up, as far as saying, just the facts, ma'am. So, oh um, really? Yeah, I want to dig into that more here in a bit, but um. To articulate, there's a detective named Friday. Uh, it's a classic role, apparently one Dan Aykroyd really wanted to play. And Friday encounters, a in the first act, a group of people known as the Pagans who are performing various acts of vandalism. Pretty light vandalism. Yeah, it's very small. It's very yeah. small time crime. Yeah, pretty small. Um, his detective, or his partner, has just retired this is the other detective from the series who I can't remember, but uh, they do name drop the actual partner from the show who's just retired and has been replaced by Tom Hanks, who appears in his undercover outfit. And he looks exactly like 1990s David Cross. And it made me laugh yes. very and, hard. And he, oh, my God. It, the, the fucking look that he was pulling off was so good. And 
I think he has maybe my favorite name yet. Mm. Uh, Pep Strebeck. Oh, Pep Strebeck. It's extremely good. It sounds like a soda. It sounds like a, a jazzy soda. Mm, I'm going to go get a Strebeck out the cooler. Ooh, um, yeah. Thanks for coming ice fishing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to bust it down, because I feel like I'm going to be giving people their money back unless I really get into this. Um, act one is this new dynamic between Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks character, because Tom Hanks is quite a loosey-goosey cop. And then Friday talks like this and does everything very quick and down to the book, section eight, five, quarter, blah, blah, blah. Um, yes. So that's that's their buddy cop dynamic is that one is very straight laced, the other one's quite loosey goosey. Run into the pagans who are performing various acts of vandalism. Things kind of escalate. We get introduced to some other characters like a minister who is um, sort of a Billy Graham type, but also like a TV mm-hmm. preacher. Um, they attend this raucous festival which is made up of these pagans and then they are thrown into a pit where there's a snake and they encounter a woman who is supposed to be sacrificed as a virgin. Um, she will stand in as our romantic interest in act two for Dan Aykroyd's character. Uh, Friday, they will kind of develop a relationship and then pretty quickly, the movie reveals that the minister is in fact, the head of the pagans, uh, which I want to talk about in depth here in a moment. Oh Yeah. Yeah, but they they go through a series of trials and tribulations where Friday uh, eventually ends up trying to arrest the minister in front of the police commissioner and the mayor, I think. Was the mayor? Uh, I think it was his captain. Yes, that was it, his captain. He ends up having to hand in his badge and his gun, and then Tom pursues the investigation a little bit more. They end up at the mansion of a softcore porn peddler who Mm -hmm. was introduced in Act 1 as... Some part of this plot. <laughs> Let's talk about that here in a moment. Um, but this is where the big final showdown happens in Act 3. Um, they have taken Friday's love interest. They go to the mansion where they are. Um, there is a conflict. The cops show up. There's a tank. Some stuff. The minister takes off in a jet heading towards Mexico with the, the love interest. And then they perform a daring rescue. Um, and then it's resolved when Friday and... His love interests get together and they have worked out a nice sort of working relationship. I'm missing a lot because to be honest with you, Sam, there is so much, uh, there's so many beans in this chili. It's hard to really get a spoon in there. Yeah, it's a, it's a thick chili. Um, <laughs> it's chunky. And I, I do just want to toss out there that the, the end of the movie, um, which you have so eloquently described as uh, Dan Aykroyd and uh, the love interest sort of uh, getting a working relationship going is actually presented as Dan Aykroyd throughout the film refers to her as the Virgin uh, Connie Smith or whatever the fuck Connie Swain the Virgin Connie Swain the Virgin Connie Swain and and at the end of the movie he and Tom Hanks are talking and he just says something about how he's he uh, he had a lovely <laughs> night with Connie Swain and uh, Tom Hanks goes wait you didn't say Virgin and then, uh, like, Dan Aykroyd just kind of has a smirk, and then that's the end of the movie. Is like, this guy fucked. <laughs> yeah. It was a way to end the movie. And I will, I want to preface this really quickly because it's not our general tone, and I don't want to dwell on it too much and bring the tone down, but there are essentially no women in this movie, and the ones that are here are 
explicitly there to be sexualized and drooled oh. over. There is no yeah. plot point that involves a woman. It really sucks. It's a classic 80s shit shit movie in that sense. So just wanted yeah. to throw it out there. We're aware of it. It's it's pretty bad, but I, I really don't want to dwell on it too much just so we don't. Uh, you know, we got to keep the mood up, especially after last week. So, yeah, yeah. You know, does not treat women well. Uh, the 80s have not uh, really any time period has not really treated women well. But uh, God help us. We need this, people. We really, <laughs> really needed an upper. And holy God, please don't take this for me. As as terrible as this movie is to women, I, I need something to cling to. Yeah, so I need. How'd you like the movie? <laughs> <laughs> man to your point i needed to double barrel both nostrils snort this guy right up there um, and it wasn't it wasn't the worst movie in the world it was actually pretty entertaining i i belly laughed a lot actually yeah um you know not not continuously but there were absolutely a lot of points where i i really got a good chuckle off um i'll break off one for you right now um, oh yeah give the people is, what they need Oh, yeah. And what we need, too. Let's get that cold shower going for both of us. So (laughs) in the first act, they go to this motel to just interview this lady about one of her tenants who is supposed to be a pagan. And she continues for three minutes to (laughs) rattle off a string of swears at Dan Aykroyd. I've recorded some of them. Yeah. So she calls him and I've missed a lot, but she calls him an ass wipe, a pencil dick, a jizz bucket, flathead and a bag of puke. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. And, oh, and I, yeah, I because I, I I think I laughed more at this one than I have at any, which I think mostly just means that I laughed at all. And yeah, and I think it's an interesting thing because it's it's that they um, it it's it's not relying on like stupid gags or like um, anything else. It's mostly just like good, good written jokes. Well, written yeah. jokes. I hey, is that a. Is that true that this is... Is this the first movie that was genuinely funny that we've watched? Uh, yeah. I think so. I, I don't... I genuinely don't think I've laughed at any movie before. Yeah. I had a couple belly laughs in Splash, but who remembers that? That was a decade ago. Now, it did have uh, the wonderful annex of Eugene Levy, so I'll give him that. And yeah. But it, no gags that Tom has done have resulted in a laugh for me. That's so extremely guess, true. Yeah, Eugene was able to to pull off of those gags way better than Tom could. Yeah, well, what did you think of this? Kind of given that that statement. Oh, I mean, it was it was great, and I you know I was thinking about it. This movie proves your Hanks rule. Hmm. You think so? Uh, ninety percent of this movie is Tom Hanks performing his job as a police officer, and it's a fucking romp mm. from start to finish. I appreciate you mentioning the Hanks rule for those that are new to it. The Hanks rule is a theory I came up with, which is that a movie is only as good as the amount of time that the lead characters spend doing their actual stated job. So I think it lines up. I think you got a good point. They're cops. They're doing a shitload of uh, copping out here. They're walking beats. He cops from from taint to tip. (laughs) Yeah, they're out here. Yeah, so you you dug it then, it sounds like. What were some of your, uh, your favorite bits of this? Oh God! Um, there's so much. I think. Uh, let's start with what Pagan stands for, because it's not just Pagans. It's this organization. And it's an acronym that stands for People Against Goodness and Normalcy. 
Yeah. Which is such a pathetically weak statement, and I adore it. <laughs> um, they do this bizarre, like, pagan dance Yeah. At, when, when they get to the festival, and it's just, like, kind of jumping and kicking your legs, and it looks... It looks so fucking stupid. Um, the <laughs> I okay. Uh, at one point, Dan Aykroyd is is telling uh, Tom Hanks that the only thing there are only two things that separate us from the animals, and that's cutlery and controlling our <laughs> sexual urges. <laughs> I did make a note about the cutlery. That was a good belly laugh for me. It was so good. Um, Fuck jizz bucket. I I know you said it already, but God, it needs to be said again. Yeah. Um. God, there were some like genuinely good dick sized gags mm. where uh, Tom has a a much longer gun than uh than Dan Aykroyd does, and yes, dude. Uh, Connie Swain is like, why is his gun so much longer than yours? And Dan uh says something to the effect of, I've never needed anything bigger. And it's like, fuck yeah, Dan, own your think, small penis gun. I think the exact quote was, I've never needed more. Ah, uh, yes, uh, thank you. And she picks up what he's putting down. Um, another thing I was going to tell you, so when they're at this festival doing the stupid dance you just talked about, they're in undercover outfits. Um, yes, fuck, yes. And I did name them, Sam. I gave them uh, the names Boa oh. Manstrictor and Leather Mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think in some ways Tom, who was a uh, uh, leather mustache, um, <laughs> did look like some sort of weird, bad Freddie Mercury cosplay. Yeah. Like he just got off a job site because I think he's wearing a jumper. Um, yeah. What you, uh, yeah. What you got going on in the background there? <laughs> that is my wife printing something. <laughs> so, uh, no respect. Guess, guess she didn't know we were recording this. Uh, or she didn't, she didn't care. Either one is fine. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, uh, I don't know if you noticed this. They go to a strip club at one point. Um, I couldn't even tell you why. And, um, there was a guy sitting like up at the stage. Is that what you call it? Uh, um, sure. But as, as that's, you know, as much as I do. Yeah. Uh, and I gotta tell you, he just looked like John Oliver's creepy uncle. <laughs> yes give us more yes yes darling um christ there's there's so many things uh the toilet arrest when when uh dan Aykroyd goes to uh arrest the reverend at a restaurant but the reverend <laughs> is like hey i gotta i gotta take a shit and dan Aykroyd is just sitting there giving them this long speech about justice and and uh and order and other cop bullshit and like, you just keep seeing, like, the reverend's, like, pants around his ankles responding to Dan Aykroyd, and everyone else in the bathroom keeps turning around to look at Dan, like, what the fuck is happening here? I'm just trying to piss. <laughs> and then he finishes this long-winded speech, and they all clap for him. Yeah. And I don't, it was, it was fantastic. It's so good. Tom does a ridiculous, like, tongue flick when they crash into a, a milk factory uh, <laughs> like a lizard the, just lapping yeah, up that good stuff yeah like milk is pouring down on him and he's just like flicking his tongue out like a like a serpent um god damn it uh joe friday dan Aykroyd's character's grandma's name is is granny monday <laughs> fuck it's so good 
<laughs> yeah, it's like they actually cared to write some jokes and think this one through. Yeah, uh, someone says, you got balls as big as church bells? It's just <laughs> so good. Hey, now, while we're talking about balls, I do have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Which is, they grab this guy in Act 1, I want to say, and they're interrogating him. <laughs> and oh, yeah. Tom, <laughs> Tom Hanks threatens him by opening a drawer and threatening to, to slam his nuts <laughs> in it. Hey, bud, this guy's chained to a table. How did he, how did he get his nuts in that drawer? I do not know. I don't know if he's like Stretch Armstrong down there or <laughs> or if he uncuffed him just to smash his nuts in there. Luke, it's the LAPD. Rules do not apply to them. Yeah. Well, how would you even get his nuts in the drawer? I mean, I imagine there's some level of, of voluntary action that's required to, to drape those cranberries right in there. I guess. I mean, like, yeah, I guess you got to be like, all right, now take your package out. Now let me <laughs> tuck them into this drawer. <laughs> Let's deliver this package to the doorstep, if you will. Yeah. And I got to tell you, Tom was pretty enthusiastic about uh, <laughs> torture. Yeah, uh, I, let's, I did make let's a, call it what it was. I made a note that he's he's described as a bit of a hipster because uh, he is a hipster until it's time to be fascist. And then that's super fun. Mm hmm. Um, Hey, I'm going to steer this uh, in kind of a direction that I think you'll enjoy, which is, uh, do you want to break off a little bit about the the, uh, softcore porn lord that's a part of this movie, Dabney Coleman, that we have seen, uh, we last saw in the Spy v. Spy movie? Holy shit. I did. Luke, I didn't realize that was the same guy. (laughs) Are you you fucking kidding me? You called him something in The Man with One Red Shoe. Was it Burt Reynolds' stunt double or something? Yes. Yeah. Well, he's yeah, back, he baby. Yeah, he looks totally different and sounds different. Yeah. that's You know, it's like he's an actor. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, look, man, you've seen these flicks, too. <laughs> uh, actors are a, uh, it's a loose term, Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. Holy shit, wanna... that's the same guy. Yeah, do you want to break me off a little bit of what he's what he's got going on and how he factors into the plot? Yeah, so he um, he owns like this uh, porn mag uh, uh, empire, much like Hugh Hefner, and he is very much like a play on Hugh Hefner. Oh, for sure. Um, what I love is that the the magazine is called Bait, and <laughs> and all their like uh, sort of featured models are called Bait Mates, which. Uh, Please tell me, Luke, you also thought it was like B-A-T-E mates? <laughs> I did. All of the names are pretty good. You got bait mates. You got field and cream. Um, <laughs> I can't remember any of the others. I did write two more uh, while I was sitting around. I, I came up with poke mates, um, which I believe is a delivery service, as well as uh, national pornographic. <laughs> oh, fuck. Those are so good. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, yeah, God, and he's, he, like, he's just such a fantastic character. Yeah. Um, so his, his deal in the plot, I believe, it was genuinely kind of hard to follow. I, I believe it's that he controls a massive empire of, of softcore. It's described as softcore porn, but then the level of peril that's associated with it kind of indicates that there's arms and assholes and they're really going to town in there. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> he's in charge of uh, producing this smut and the it's revealed that the reverend's ultimate goal is to essentially control both sides of a moral argument, right? 
Yes, it's it, it it's almost this like kind of like yin and yang like he's like you must have the bad to have the good and I want to have all of it so that I can profit off both the 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 bad and the good. Yeah, did that make any sense to you? <laughs> as oh a plot no, device? not not a lick. Yeah. It's it's an obtuse argument, but that is that is the goal. I also want a record and you can check my notes, sir, if you're suspicious, but I did clock the twist at exactly 20 minutes into this movie and i was oh, dead yeah. fucking right yeah no um i've got in my notes uh at the at the pagan dance when they show like their grand wizard pagan guy yeah um i did write it's defo that weird priest from tv right <laughs> here i am tooting my own horn this is probably uh either you know what we're really smart Let's go with that. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's a good a good way to sort of uh, <laughs> pat ourselves on the back. Because yeah. he's pretty easy to clock, and there's also no other person it could be. Yeah, I mean, there's only so many characters in this movie. They keep it tight. It's high oh. and tight as far as character count goes. And boy, like, what a difference that makes to to keep something nice. And they they had an editor. Oh. Yeah, they really put some work into this. Uh, what else did you like about this movie? Anything else really grab you? Um, oh, let me let me poke through my notes here and see if there's anything else that just really. Um, oh, uh, Tom did kind of want to fuck Dan's granny. He he schmoozes real hard, doesn't he? Do you, so you're suspecting that he was at full mast by the time she came on the scene. Oh, I think so. Okay. Uh, didn't he say something like, have you ever smoked a joint on a motorcycle or... I don't think it was smoke a joint, but it was something... It definitely like... was not, Sam. <laughs> Look, Pep Strebeck is one cool fucking cat. Yeah. And I I bet, I bet even though he's a cop, he would probably smoke a jazz cigarette with yeah. Dan Aykroyd's granny. I believe he wants her to just eat a, a chili dog on the back of That's his motorcycle. That's what it was. <laughs> That's not a joint. Which is arguably weirder coming from a sexual direction. Hey, you ever eaten a chili dog on the back of a motorcycle? Do you, <laughs> do you wanna? Oh my god. Um, Let's see. Oh, uh, he does admit to wearing women's underwear at the end of the movie. Yeah, we've um, all been there though, right? I mean, you get up in oh, the morning, yeah. you've had a hard night of really going to town, and then, you know, there's whatever's on the floor. <laughs> um... Oh, hey, I don't know if you picked this up. I did have to pause it and, and rewind it. Um, and this, I, I don't know if it's necessarily funny. Did you notice that gas uh, was 71 cents? <laughs> I didn't. Man, you're continuing your streak as a real numbers guy with eagle eyes in these films. <laughs> you're kidding me, though. Fucking 71 cents? 71 cents. I almost cried. Yeah, and you're going 55 at the most on these highways. I mean, you're really sipping that go juice. <laughs> well, I don't know. Their their cars made in the eighties, so I don't <laughs> think they gave a shit shit about uh, emission standards or yeah or uh, fuel efficiency. Sure, they run on trickle down economics at this point. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, did Did anything else pop out at you as just uh just like good bits to talk about? Yeah, I've got a couple. Um. One of which is there's a scene where Dan Aykroyd as Friday is intimidated by some local local thugs. Mm, um, yes. The way it was presented, it made me think of Arrested Development. 
with uh, <laughs> the dancers that Tobias gets. Um, oh, basically shit. doing intimidating educational rapid people on the street. It made me laugh <laughs> <laughs> pretty hard. A um, couple other belly laughs. A police tank driving through a giant pile of burning smut in Act 3 during the final <laughs> showdown. <laughs> with that, with that uh, like, ram on the front that says, like, have a nice day. Have a nice day. It was a good joke. Very, very timely. But the, the main thing I want to talk about is the very end of this movie because uh the reverend at the after the big showdown at the mansion of said smut dealer um he takes off in a jet and starts heading towards mexico with the virgin connie swain can i can i interrupt you for just a moment i wish you would this bothered me Mm. um i've been playing a lot of microsoft flight simulator (laughs) and i noticed the reverend did not do a pre-flight check nor did he contact air traffic control. Yeah, and he's he's playing boy, it fast oh and loose. Boy, you got to do those things, friend. Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about this because uh, regardless of how he got off the ground or how safely he operated <laughs> this vehicle, um, two things about this. One, apparently the mm-hmm. LAPD has a fucking fighter jet. Hey, Luke, would you really be all that shocked to find out that the LAPD has a fucking bit of military hardware? Hey, bud, I would not be because I looked it up and they fucking do. What the fuck? (laughs) Accurate to life that this is a thing they have. Why? I mean, I know I just said that I wouldn't be shocked if they had it. But also, (laughs) what the fuck do they need it for? Yeah, I'm you know, I I say I researched this. I glanced at it on Google. They do have a number of aircraft and I believe among them is a is a jet fighter style aircraft. That's um, some bullshit. Yeah, they don't it's, need uh, that. There is a subtext, and again, high tone. We're going to keep it high, but there is a level of uh, police militarization that's demonstrated in this movie. Oh, that, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I, I will mention it very briefly. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, uh, Dan Aykroyd's character is bemoaning the fact that cops now have batons and tasers when they used to just have a pistol and a truncheon? I didn't really hear it. Yeah. But basically, he's mad that he can't just blow people away. Um, yeah. Which doesn't doesn't work well in 2020. Yep. Yeah. If only they just had tasers and uh, and batons. But then also Fucking later right. in this movie, to undercut that argument, they do have a goddamn tank. Yeah. Which they use to then raid a suspected uh, chemical laboratory, which turns out to be full of milk, where Tom makes that strange lizard face you were talking about yeah. before. Flick, to, flick, uh, flick, 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 Lap up the good stuff. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Fuck, that was good. Yeah, I had this to say about uh, the final flight, though, because here's the situation. So he's in the air with the Virgin Connie Swain, and the <laughs> LAPD fighter jet is over to his left with Dan Aykroyd inside of it. Hey, why didn't he just keep flying to fucking Mexico? I don't know. Cause, yeah. Because, like, you can't, you can't, like, do a pit maneuver on a plane. <laughs> not easily. Um, well, <laughs> not have both of you live. Yeah, you would know. You have been putting in the time in the cockpit recently. Well, I'm, I'm not that advanced yet, Luke. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I can't quite figure out why the Reverend was like, yep, all right, I'll land because Dan Aykroyd looked at me with a frown and <laughs> pointed to the ground. 
Knight of the Canadian Realm, Dan Aykroyd, yeah. has, has given g- me a look. He got my goose, so I'll yeah. land. I'm cooked. But that was, you know, uh, these are minor quibbles on the face of a thing that was uh, genuinely pretty funny. I'm looking for other things that made me made me um, really laugh. Can I put out there uh, Tom's watch TV? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. So uh, they're driving around at one point for no reason. And then Tom's like, oh, hey, I, uh, I, I, I'm watching the, like, event, some sort of, like, gala or something on my watch. And then it zooms in, and it's this shitty, like, almost black and white picture on this minuscule screen on his watch. And it's just, like, on the one hand, I'm impressed because it's almost like a called shot to, to smartwatches. But also, it's such a an unusable and terrible <laughs> piece of technology, and I can't quite figure out where it was getting a signal from. Yeah, well, I have an answer for you. Oh. Which is that this was a real product, I believe, made by Casio. This segment brought to you by Casio. Luke's, you gotta fucking stop doing this to me. Yeah. I this don't... Is... Why? <laughs> for people want to do this exact thing actually now that we're talking about it it is kind of a bit of a product placement isn't it yeah i guess so, so i thought it was a fully made up piece of technology but holy nah. shit well, yeah that's just this is almost a coca-cola ad level of, <laughs> of uh of synergy yeah are you a bored beat cop out driving around well take this casio combined tv and calculator watch out for a drive comes with a pack Containing all the radio stuff that's about the size of a Walkman. <laughs> that's that's how it works. It has a little pack that uh, has all the stuff. So oh, okay. where was that thing? It's a good uh, question. Hey, I don't know. Uh, same place he uh, was was keeping that guy's balls in the drawer, I guess. <laughs> he's He's got a way with jamming stuff around, huh? Boy, he really does. Yeah. Man, this was pretty good. Um trying to think if i have anything else really to share you got any other notes um no i i do almost feel bad that our whole discussion of this is just naming funny moments but like you know the the performances i thought were pretty solid like uh they both sell their characters really well um tom again finally nails like comedic timing and not just being like this sort of three stooges but like shitty type yeah um he he like again we're finally seeing some like good acting out of the guy um and and i'm very happy to see that yeah it's pretty great and you know honestly everybody does a good job here this was apparently a dream role for dan Aykroyd to play friday um you can feel it i mean yeah. like he he really put his all into that yeah i can't confirm that the performance is pretty good and they uh they stray pretty far from the original source material so if you are for whatever reason in 2020 a diehard original Dragnet fan. Um, I, I don't know what this movie has for you, but um, yeah, it's really convincing and it's got some good, got some great stuff. Yeah. I, I actually, I'd go as far as to say if um, un, kn- knowing that you're going in and that it's not going to treat women well, or quite honestly, anyone other than white men. Yeah. And it's going to have a, a pretty pro police bent to it i i would almost recommend watching this folks oh yeah for sure i mean especially it's what 3.99 to rent yeah um yeah. 
It's an yeah. hour and 40-something minutes. Yeah, either our brains are severely broken at this point, or this was a decent watch. Can it be both? Oh, for sure it can be both. 4K, <laughs> no low dose. Yeah. Well, um, well, Luke, uh, I just I just got a text from Granny Mundy, um, <laughs> and she's all out of money for weed and chili dogs. <laughs> so um, do you mind accompanying us uh, over to the to the Hanks Bank? Yeah, let's hook Granny up. Yeah. Well, Luke, I'm going to need you to log into Facebook and share a bunch of articles posted by Russian bots. It's time to come with me to the Conspiracy Corner. Oh, it's so nice to be back here after last week's uh, oh. debacle. Oh, it is. And Luke, um, I got to tell you, there's something here. Oh. Um, so there's a point later in the movie. Um, when uh, Dan Aykroyd has been captured by the Reverend, whose name I don't remember and I don't care to remember, mm. um, and and Dan is is giving this speech to the Reverend about how you know he's not going to get away with this and you know whatever we're going to get you, and he says, and I quote, "Just like every other foaming rabid psycho in, in uh, with a foolproof plan in this city." You forgot you're facing the single finest fighting force ever assembled. At which point, the Reverend replied, The Israelis? Yes, 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 dude. And Luke, once again, (laughs) we have connected Tom Hanks to Mossad because Pep Strebeck is just an alias. Just like, uh, uh... David Basner, just like Walter Fielding, just like Lawrence Bourne the Third, just like Richard Harlan Drew, Rick Gasco, Alan Bauer, and Tom Hanks, they're all the same man, and they are all working for the Mossad. Um and here's the thing, and and maybe you got this, maybe you didn't. It you gotta look really between these layers. The Reverend very <laughs> clearly is trying to earn money by controlling both the good and the bad aspects of um, the City of Angels, as some call it. Sure. Um, Because he is one of the elements working to fund and start the resurgent Fourth Reich that we established (laughs) back in the Money Pit. We see these elements, these sort of sleeper agents all over the place trying to earn money to bring back the Fourth Reich, and Mossad time and time again is trying to foil their plots. And this time... Uh, a couple years after the money pit and the fiasco with Carlos, uh, Tom Hanks has been deployed to the City of Angels where uh, Mossad has gotten some murmurs that there might be a sleeper agent there. And it is this reverend who is, who's uh, collecting all this money and he's going to use it to kidnap a virgin and also uh, uh, get the Fourth Reich back on track. Mm, trying to fund it based on smut. Yes. Um... And, and again, uh, the Reverend, he knows. He knows the Israelis are on his tail, and that's why he thinks they're the, the finest fighting force ever assembled, because he knows what they've done in other places. Sure, he knows about scared. the Jericho 2 missile testing uh, done in upstate New York. He doesn't know Tom Hanks was doing it, but he knows it was done, and he knows of their nuclear strike capabilities. And the other element of this is, um, and, and we didn't mention this in the plot, but uh, the Reverend and, and uh, the pagan organization, uh, again, all people supporting the Fourth Reich. Sure, um, sure. Uh, they're, they've acquired chemical weapons 
this uh, deadly gas that's used as like a fertilizer or something that uh, when when breathed in burns like your eyes, your nose, and, and your mouth, and then you die. Yeah, this um, is not a joke, folks. That is a legit part of the movie, and hence why they is. rammed a tank into a milk a milk factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, Tom was. I don't know if you remember that scene, but he seemed pretty upset that they didn't get the chemical weapons then. And that's because Mossad wanted those chemical weapons. Ah. And, and they've sought after chemical weapons for a good long while. And well, there's there's some evidence to suggest maybe Mossad does have access to chemical weaponry, <laughs> as does the larger uh, nation of Israel. Um, and, uh, and yeah, uh, so, so that's kind of uh, the big thing here. But maybe... Maybe, Luke, you don't believe that this is Tom Hanks. Yeah, let's, let's say think. I don't. Okay. Uh, now, he does, he does fuck a human woman here. Mm. It's suggested that uh, he has sex with, uh, with an LAPD cop, uh, who is, again, a woman, um, and ostensibly human. Well, sure, Luke, sure. If you had a monster dong like Tom does, as, <laughs> as is suggested in this film, um, and I think honestly, probably true. I think that guy's packing. Um, Love the speculation about the size <laughs> of Tom Hanks's hog. That's a great tone to set in episode eight. <laughs> well, what better way is there to infiltrate the Los Angeles Police Department than through a sexual relation with a cop? Mm, I see where you're coming from. That was his way in. And if, as I've established before, Tom Hanks won't fuck a human woman because he's repulsed by them. Um, unless it's it's uh, in service to his mission. And sure. this time there was no other way into the LAPD uh, the, on, on sort of the schedule that he needed it other than to have sex with this woman, much to, to his displeasure. Yeah, he's a real pro. Hey, can I add to your conspiracy here? Yeah, please do. In a, in a podcast first? Uh, yeah, I'm. I am so fucking ready for this. And Luke, might I say, I'm very proud that you're that you're jumping <laughs> into this uh, sort of jet fuel doesn't melt steel beam space. Yeah. So here's what I noticed to your point about the sex, the sex in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he's digging in a in a box of condoms, and we are led to believe that the condom box is empty. But Sam, I tell you oh. right now, Sam Siegel, what if it was not empty, and instead, when he throws it on the floor in disgust. He's just thinking about the act he has to perpetrate and decides that he cannot, in fact, get it up for this time. Luke, I am so proud of you. I've, <laughs> I have never been prouder of you in my entire life because you are 100% correct. Yes. He, he's so fucking mad that he has to, ugh, ugh, oh, ugh. There the are no scales to be found on this woman. <laughs> <laughs> no fence, no tail. He's out. Ugh. Uh, just, just gross. Yeah, that's uh, as evidenced by the fact that I'm chipping in here. Uh, I think you have me pretty convinced. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm so proud, proud that I've done this. Um, again, we will probably be uh, hurt by Mossad and maybe specifically the chemical weapons that they definitely have. Oh yeah, big um, time. But yeah, so, so that'll do it uh, this week for the conspiracy corner. Nice. Well, I've still got my Facebook just going ham on these bot posts. Oh yeah, yeah. Just I, share them uh, just all over the place. Don't don't fact check uh, any of them. Yeah, I don't think I could stop it if I wanted to now. So I'm just gonna step away, and we'll keep going with the podcast while my computer melts down. Perfect. And uh, Luke, I've got something new for you. Ooh, I'm excited. 
Luke, uh, that's the <laughs> shitty intro for Shark Hanks. The new show uh, where, uh, as we've established multiple times before, uh, and as we all really know, um, you are America's dad's financial advisor. Yes. Um, And you're going to help him uh, with his investments, which, you know, we all know that the man's uh, uh, moving and shaking. He's he's making all these deals. And uh, we actually have three contestants here today um, who have some products that they uh, that they would like you uh to to maybe invest in so are you ready Um, i'm very ready i do have one question for you really quick about this bit yes please do i need to approve or disapprove of these disapprove of these investments uh in relation to tom's financial interest or to my own financial interests as looking out for his wealth you are deciding for tom oh okay cool yeah he he needs more things to invest in Right, um, more more than just typewriter apps. Exactly. Okay, well, I'm ready, sir. Okay, so uh, today we've got our, our first contestant, um, and his name is Keith. Uh, Keith, uh, why, why don't you have your, your pitch here? Yeah, come on up, Keith. Hi, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm Keith, and um, I'm with uh, Titan Condoms, uh, and they're like, uh, they're like, bigger condoms you know for people who have like real real big dingers and uh you know they you know some people like they're they're like you know like real big and uh so like you know like when a magnum won't fit and you're like oh no what am i gonna do i gotta be like real protected in this sexual encounter (laughs) uh so you'll turn to titan condoms they're lubricated and they'll fit your your huge monster dong uh, hey Keith, uh, can I can I stop you right there real quick? Yeah, uh, Keith, is your whole pitch that these are just gigantic condoms? <laughs> uh, not quite. You, so <laughs> there's more. There's a little bit more. Um, they're they're lubricated. They have a little vestibule tip, and um, uh, you buy three, and it comes with a free hamburger phone, dude. <laughs> okay, Keith, I hear you, and uh. We can just stop this right here. I oh, love wait, it. I, I will. But, I will write whatever you need. Just, just, just throw oh, it in. Sweet dude, I do need to get my sort of catchphrase out there. Okay, and it's, yeah, uh, yeah. Titan condoms for your Titan dong. <laughs> we're we're begrudgingly into it, Keith. It's great. Uh, 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 uh thanks. Okay, Keith, you can uh, step aside now. You you'll get your money hey, later. Hey, Keith. Hey, Keith. Hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, blank check, buddy. Again, I, I just, I'm cutting you off because uh, for time and also for, yeah, obviously, just, just blank check, dude. Yeah. Uh, fuck yeah, man. Uh, th- thank you so much, dude. Uh, yeah, thanks, uh, Keith. And thanks to Tom Hank. Uh, uh, Keith, come on, get out of here. Um, and and now for our um our second contestant, and his name is uh Ed. Ed, why don't why don't you come on up? Welcome, Ed. Hi, I'm uh, I'm Ed with Ed's Vibrator Repair. Uh, how many times have you been uh, drilling away on your nasty parts with a vibrator only for it to ding out on you? Oh no, how am I going to finish the job that I definitely need finished? Well, it's time to call uh, uh, Ed's Vibrator Repair. I'll, I'll make house calls. You can even have the vibrator in <laughs> you. Shit. Take another stab at it. 
sorry. Oh, it's all good. That's what editing, editing's for, my dude. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Ed with Ed. <laughs> okay. Okay. I got this. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Ed with Ed's Vibrator Repair. Uh, how many times have you been drilling away on your nasty parts and had your little vibrator ding out on you? Oh, well, that's a shame. Time, Ed. You gotta have that job. You gotta finish your job. Well, that's why you call Ed's Vibrator Repair. I'll make house calls. I'll come over to your house and it doesn't matter where that vibrator is in your body. I'll fix it right <laughs> then and there. You need it. You gotta finish. I want you to get your rocks off as fast as you can. So next time you're playing around and doing the devil's work, uh, and it and it craps out on you, those vibrators, you know, sometimes they ain't made right, uh, give a call for Ed's vibrator repair. Nice. I, I, I appreciate this, Ed. This is a compelling argument. I am curious, Sam, to hear our last competitor before I kind of make a decision between the two. Okay, and that's hey, fair. Keith, hey, Keith. Yeah? Seriously, dude, blank check. Tom's gonna fucking heat. This is this is a huge scratch for niche, okay, bud? Hell, hell yeah. Uh, I I can't wait to sort of scale up my business. Yeah, Keith, why? No one no one cares, Keith. <laughs> okay, so let's let's hear that last uh, competitor there, Sam. Our our third contestant today is Vasily. Uh, uh, Vasily, why why don't you uh come up here? He, hello, 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 uh, Mister. Hank's uh, financial advisor. I I am Vasily, and I am here to sell you on the Yugo, the Yugoslavian <laughs> car, best in Serbo-Croatian technology, and also most typical typical car you've ever seen. It will tip it slight breeze or strong man tipping it from back to front. But let me tell you about the incredible technological marvels come up with by Yugoslavian engineers. It has brakes. It has <laughs> windshield. It has three working tires. This is excellent Yugoslavian Yugoslavian vehicle, let me tell you. It is excellent car. It uh, has no fuel efficiency at all. You must refuel every time you drive. But it runs technically. <laughs> that's that's what we look for. Um, yeah, what was your name one more time? Vasily. Vasily, thank you for, for coming in. Hey, can I get uh, both these guys up here real quick, Sam? Uh, yeah, uh, Ed, why don't you come back up? And uh, Vasily, you just stay there and please don't touch anything. <laughs> so Ed, uh, how much you looking for here, bud? Uh, well, uh, to to scale up and, and hire more vibrator repair folk, uh, I'm gonna need maybe uh six hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Whoa, Ed! <laughs> how much work are you getting, bud? Uh, well, I I live in a a city of depravity, so quite a bit. Yeah, this movie does refer to L.A. as a modern day Gomorrah, so I I hear you, Ed. Hey, Vasily. Y- yes. Uh, you know, I appreciate your pitch here, and as much as Tom does like a a typewriter, uh, and clearly likes retro tech, I'm afraid the Yugo is not one of his proclivities. So I am gonna have to ask you to uh to leave the building. Well, that is very disappointing to Vasily, 
I will have to eat more potato water for all my meals. But I understand. Yeah, you know, Vasily, maybe you should uh, hook up with, with Keith over there. Because, again, he's just really rocking a blank check here. Ed, I can't give you 650 grand or whatever it was you asked for. I can give you about 50 grand. Does that do? Uh, Yeah, I mean, that'll, that'll get me maybe one more repair person. Yeah. Let's get those but, magic wands working. I, I I think that will appeal to uh, at least somebody in in Tom Hanks's world. Oh hell yeah! All right. Well, th- thank you so much. Yeah. Anytime, folks. Thanks for coming in, y'all. This was this was good. Uh, love spending Tom's money. And and don't we all? Uh, thank you, everyone, for for tuning in to another wonderful episode of Shark Hanks. <laughs> So, uh, so Luke, next week we're watching a, another film, aren't we? Yeah, I think it's uh, a real one this time, isn't it? Yeah, could you almost call this a big one? I think it's a big one, yeah. Yes, as you may have gotten from our very challenging hints, next week is 1988's Big. Yeah, which is challenging for doing a prediction because we both know what Big is. Have you seen Big before, Sam? Uh, Luke, actually, I don't know what Big is, and I've never seen it. Oh, okay. Well, thus begins the new part of the series where I have seen the Tom Hanks movie, and Sam inexplicably has not. So, Sam, do you want to break off a chunk of what you're expecting from Big? Yeah, so I'll tell you what I legitimately think Big is. <laughs> yes, please, um, sir. No no jokes here. I, I think... I think Big is a movie where uh, Tom Hanks has Benjamin Button's disease <laughs> and goes to a toy store. I, or he's a man with like a child's mind. I, I don't actually know, <laughs> but but I I think he's like an adult child who goes to a toy store. Okay, <laughs> well you've shaded in some of the details. We'll get the rest of the coloring book next week, but that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, well, um, if if that's all... Uh, well, before we leave, Luke, do you have a final quote for me? I do. This was said by the Virgin Connie Swain right outside of the Hollywood sign in a car. And the line is, look at the stars. There's dozens of them. <laughs> oh, I love this movie. Please give it a watch, <laughs> understanding that it it's not great to women. Yeah. Um. But uh, but that'll do it for another episode of uh, Hanksy Panksy. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week with Big. <laughs>